The Tenth Collective is an initiative from Revision Path and State of Black Design created to help connect Black designers searching for their next opportunity with the companies that want to hire them. So if you're a Black designer and you're looking for a new job, go to thetenthcollective.com to sign up for free or check out the link in the show notes. We're here to help you find your next big opportunity today. You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Revision Path. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Maurice Cherry. Now, before we jump into this week's interview, just want to give you a final reminder. Today is the last day to take our annual audience survey. So please go to survey.revisionpath.com and fill it out. Should take you about 10 minutes or so top. Huge, huge thanks for those of you who have already taken our survey. And, you know, I'll be honest, surveys are tricky. When we've done them in the past, we usually give some kind of like financial incentive for taking the survey, like We'll do a raffle for a $100 Amazon.com gift card. I think one year, I think for our fifth anniversary, we did a $500 Amazon.com gift card. And while that does help us get responses, oftentimes those responses aren't really ones that we can use because people will intentionally spam the survey, put in false information, all that sort of stuff, just for a chance to win the gift card. And then I have to sort through all that stuff, throw out the junk. Like it's, it's messy. You know, they're not the people that do that. They're not like you, you know, they haven't listened to the show, they don't know what we're trying to accomplish here. They just want to win a gift card. And, you know, this year when I did the survey, I decided I'm not going to do the gift card. I just want to make sure that we get actual surveys. Also, we moved to a new survey platform. So I'm trying something new with this. So it's completely anonymous, that sort of thing. Whenever we have to do a gift card, we have to get your email address. We have to contact you. And sometimes for people that have won the gift card, they never respond. And then it's like, well, what am I supposed to do now with this gift card? Because you've given anyway, it's a whole thing. But if you've been thinking, you know, well, why should I fill out the survey? It's because you believe in what we're doing here at Revision Path. You support it. And we just want to learn more about you so we can use that information to improve Revision Path and keep things going. So again, if you haven't filled it out, only takes you about 10 minutes. Survey.revisionpath.com. Survey closes today. Revision Path is supported by Brevity and Wit. Brevity and Wit is a strategy and design firm committed to designing a more inclusive and equitable world. They are always looking to expand their roster of freelance design consultants in the U.S., particularly brand strategists, copywriters, graphic designers, and web developers. If you know how to deliver excellent creative work reliably and enjoy the autonomy of a virtual-based freelance life with no non-competes, check them out at brevityandwit.com. Brevity and Wit. Creative excellence without the grind. For 10 years, Revision Path has been dedicated to showcasing black designers and creatives from all over the world. In order to keep bringing you the content that you love, we need your support now more than ever. If you're in a position to help us grow, here's how you can contribute. Visit revisionpath.com forward slash donate and click the donate button there to make a one-time, a monthly, or an annual donation to help keep Revision Path running strong. Thanks for your support. Now for this week's interview, I'm talking with Isaiah Xavier Bradley. 
Isaiah is a freelance illustrator and comic book artist located in Seattle, Washington. Let's start the show. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do. Hi, I'm Isaiah Xavier Bradley, and I'm a freelance illustrator and comic book artist. How has the year been going for you so far? It's been going (laughs) wonderful. (laughs) It's been wonderful. It's been unsuspected, but just wonderful accomplishments have been happening. I uh, was at recently, I was at the Western Hotel and was doing an event with two other artists, and we were hired to uh, do a 10 minute painting, you know, of Seattle's like landscape of the Space Needle and the mountains. And of course, we had to include someone drinking coffee in there because there's nothing but coffee around in Seattle everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was a one of the um, events that um, I recently did about like maybe two months ago. And that was just amazing fun. Like I didn't think that was going to happen. It's like, I get caught off guard about like how many wonderful things just happen out of the blue. You know, it's like, you don't know when it's going to happen or, or what's going to happen, but with all the work just paying off and networking and pursuing is just this year has been a wonderful surprise of many things I got a chance to experience and to do and people to meet. It's been awesome. It's been an adventure. Nice. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Do you have any plans for the summer? Oh, goodness. Well, right now I'm going to be going to see my friend later in this month to Las Vegas. I mean, I know it's not exactly summertime, but it's close enough. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go um, see her. And we're going to work on some storyboards together. Besides that, I plan on spending as much time as I can outside painting and enjoying the fresh air because in, in Seattle, it was just way too cloudy and I needed some sunlight. <laughs> but that's it so far for now. When you look back at like this time last year, how would you say you've changed or how, how have things changed for you over the year? Like what's different? What's new? Anything like that? I would say my mindset has definitely been changing. Last year, it was just like my art was still like my career was still growing and I was getting more people, more companies to hire me, which felt really good. But also I had to like work on my mindset about like what success was and about how my career is growing it's for being an artist there was there's no chart to show you like when you meet a goal there's like no reward or some outside source especially when you're a freelancer to like say hey yes you made it yes you did it and everything and that was something i had to get used to because it was like i'm my own boss i have to be the one to to do that for myself you know so that way i can acknowledge the work I was doing, the hours, the hard projects, you know, the tight deadlines, or I had to change my mindset to, to recognize the accomplishments I was doing and also to um, be completely self-aware and present. That's another thing. Like I was like, I was working out more and I'm working out more now this year. I was realizing that physically, like, they always wanted to make characters, like, toned and skinny and muscled. And, and realizing how that had a negative effect on people, and it's including myself, because I was like, I need to show that beautiful is all different types of shapes and sizes. Beauty is diversity. That's my, my character, Sandra. She actually, I was inspired by Lizzo, because I was watching Lizzo and Lizzo was just this 
beautiful, powerful, thick queen. And I wanted to create a character that was like that. So I, I created a character called Sandra. She has this huge ice axe and, and she's just overall this really cool character that just like, doesn't take nothing from nobody and is her own person. And like, as I'm like talking to you now, I'm looking at the poster above my desk and it's like, all my diverse characters, I have Native American, I have Mexican, I have Black, I have Afro-Latina and different types of body types. And mm. I just feel like that definitely contributed to how I was thinking differently last year and this year and how it affects my artwork now. With that experience, it definitely helped me make me become more of a better artist and more in touch with myself, too, about finding that, that beauty about myself, too. So now I'm able to take that and put it into my art. You know, you, you touched on something now that I actually wanted to discuss a little later, but we can we can jump into it right now. Sure. It, is representation like is and I'm, I'm using air quotes over representation because that's such a broad like spectrum of what that could mean. But is that something that you feel like has to be a part of your work? Like when you think about your individual identities, do you feel like I need to put that into my work in some way? Absolutely. I think it's important. For example, Ariel, that was a huge debate, you know, just because of the color of her skin. But the people that I saw, like like Black little girls and, and, and Black women seeing Ariel being a Black mermaid and having that such powerful, positive enforcement, I'm like, yeah, we need to have more of that. People need to feel like they can do that too. And sometimes people just need to see that, like, mm-hmm. like I did. Like for X-Men, Storm, that beautiful Black queen goddess, I love her so much of the X-Men. She's great. She definitely was an icon for me and diversity and acknowledging that I was like, I have to make sure that I represent more of that, bring that out more into the world, you know? So that way people of color can feel beautiful too. And people of different body types can feel beautiful too. It's just like diversity is absolutely needed because it's, it's all around us and it needs to be accepted. It's something that's so natural and for it to not to be celebrated as, as such, it hurts. And especially towards our younger community, our younger community needs to know that, yes, you can do this. Yes, you can be that. You know, I I dream of a future where everyone is just represented equally and accepted and loved. So we can all just create beautiful things. Because imagine what we could create if all of us were just like getting along together and like just sharing our beliefs and whatnot. We don't have to agree on it, but we don't have to agree on it. But it's just something that's just it could be so beautiful, you know? So absolutely diversity needs to be in my work. (laughs) Absolutely. The more weirder, the more unique, the better. I just want that. I yearn for it. Yeah. There's that adage. It goes like, you can't be what you don't see or something like that. And Mm -hmm. I think certainly along the lines of illustration, animation, even there's been such an explosion over the past, at least over the past decade or so, where we've seen like black and brown artists, queer artists, etc., that are creating works in those images mm-hmm. and putting it out there in a way that I mean, some stuff is even like you know been on streaming, like you know series and things of that nature. You started to see such a a huge explosion of this diversity through the medium of you know illustration or animation over the past ten years, and it's really been something to see because. Along with that, there's also all these other stories that can be told because it's coming mm-hmm. from people 
with these different perspectives or because the characters are not the average, you know, kind of like white character, et cetera, you know, like there's just Mm -hmm. more opportunities and possibilities for storytelling. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel like some companies or or people would just be like nervous about tapping into it too, because it's change and people can be very scared of change, but it's like, we need that change. We need it. Even though it's scary, it's like, we need it. Cause it's like, we can't keep repeating ourselves over the years, over and over and over. No, we need to have that change right here, right now. So that way in the future, we can have a better opportunity for everyone, you know, and then everyone can just feel that, that self-love more and, and capable. Absolutely. Let's talk about your work as a freelance illustrator, what does a, a typical day look like for you? Oh, actually, it's kind of weird. <laughs> my, my mind likes to play tricks on me. And what I mean by that is like sometimes I'll wake up in the morning and I will be ready to go. I'll just jump right into it. I will just like I'll just like get up and like brush my teeth, maybe splash motor on my face or take a shower. Or I'll just like wake up and I'll just go to my art desk and like start painting out of nowhere i feel like those are like my go get it days (laughs) today is definitely one of those days where it's like okay i'm gonna go ahead and do my work and be focused which is like i made that conscious decision to go into that so i would like wake up make a list because for me i can't think of things in my head of what to do if i do that i easily get overwhelmed so i have to make a list And that list keeps me organized. And not only that, but checking it off actually makes me feel like, oh, crap, I'm actually getting stuff done. I'm actually doing it. And it's like, I'm not going to focus on how long it takes me. I'm going to focus on getting the goal done. Because once I get that done, it's going to feel really good. Then I can go on to the next one. And then I'm just like, yes, I'm doing it. On off days, I wake up and I have no energy in the morning. (laughs) And I have to wait till... 12 o'clock for my whole body to feel that full awareness. It's like, okay, I'm ready to make art. And I think that's why it's so important to be self-aware because if you can be completely self-aware and present about how you're feeling physically, emotionally, mentally, uh, and spiritually, that you will be able to conquer yourself. You know, you'll be able to like, you're like, I know what you're thinking, you know, and be like, I know what to do. It's like, if I'm at home and I'm trying to work and I can't focus, I know to remove myself from that space into an outside space or a completely public space where I can focus and get things done. So it's about doing that work and realizing what works best for you. And and for me, it's just like, it can, it can just like flip. It can be vice versa, but um, I'm working with it. It's been doing wonders for me. I've been able to get more work done, especially from working from home because you could get so easily distracted mm-hmm. distracted by the video games, you distracted by cooking food. I mean, I love food, but also I got to, you know, do my work <laughs> or, or, or movies or whatnot. I think long as, as long as you're completely self fully aware, you're good and breaks. I always like try to take a break, like after like um, probably between hours or uh, every other like three hours, perhaps I'll like take a small break or I'll just get up after like 15 minutes after I realize that, Hey, my focus is slipping. I'll just get up and walk around, stretch my body out, just get it physically active, walk away from the project and maybe go for a walk outside. And then I'll come back and my mind is refreshed and I might be able to point out some things I didn't notice before, you know? So 
yeah, it's all about just like knowing how your body and your mind think and just like utilizing that for your advantage. That's how pretty much my take goes. Natural chaos. I like to call it natural chaos. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think you touched on something that a lot of people probably like at the start of the pandemic had to come to grips with when working from home is that it's tough to work from home. It takes a yes. lot of discipline to not mm-hmm. fall into just doing something else. Like mm-hmm. I, like you mentioned, like I could play video games, I could eat, I could do whatever, I could watch TV, whatever. But knowing that you have to get the work done is a, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. And I, I think for a lot of people, when the pandemic started, that was something they had to come to terms with. One, I think is just kind of, you know, outfitting their place to be a place to work because, you know, the office is the office, home is home. Now you're bringing mm-hmm. the office to your home. How do you make that happen? It's a process to kind of get to that level where you can feel like you can really wake up in the morning and like get into a flow state and get work done at home. Yeah. Like it's, it's harder than I think a lot of people realize. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're own, you're your own boss too. Yeah. Like you have no one looking over your shoulder. You are completely free. You get to decide exactly what you do and how you do it. And it's a blessing and a curse because you know, dang it. Like I need to focus. So that's why it's always good to know yourself, to be like, how do I function? What can I do to make sure that I am actually getting work done? Like it's, it's so easy to fall into that trap. And being a freelancer is more than just one job. You have multiple jobs. You have the, you have your, you're the manufacturer, you're the producer, you're the advertiser, you're the financial budget person, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're the person, there's the stock person organizing your area to make sure you have enough materials and whatnot and all that. It's like you're playing multiple roles. I don't think many people realize when you're being freelancing, you're literally your own army. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you are hiring somebody else to help you but it's hard times not everyone can be afforded that you know and so but if you also have that capability to do that stuff by yourself then go for it just make sure you're giving yourself breaks and affirmations affirmations are really important (laughs) for sure now you do a little bit of everything from comic books to trading cards what does your process look like when it comes to like approaching a new a new piece of work what does that look like I usually like to uh, feel it out. Like, what is this image going to um, convey? What is the vibe I'm trying to give it? You know, because um, doing illustrations and uh, any kind of illustration, sketch cards, book covers, it all leads down to storytelling. And it's so important that you you recognize like body language, colors to book mood the perspective, you know, the, the layout of the image, everything can adds to the story. So I, I try to keep that in mind while I'm looking for references. And I try not to spend too much time on references because I find that you could spend a lot of time looking up references and then you lose too much time that you could have used for the project. So I try to do like at least an hour of references and then, or under, and then I um, just go in there and do really quick, bold sketches. I think that Doing bold sketches allows you to develop your idea much quicker and gives you a bit more of a confidence booster. It's like, I know what I'm doing. I know what I want to go for, you know, and it just helps you move things along in a much more progressive kind of way. And afterwards, after a thumbnail is, is chosen or making like a discussion, depending on the client, sometimes clients have notes about something they would like to have changed. Or sometimes you'll just get lucky, which thankfully I've 
been very lucky where I've had customers who are like, oh, it's perfect. Keep going. I'm like, great. <laughs> so I'll just go on to the next step and I'll do like a, a loose sketch. Back then, I used to do sketches where I was just like, go, I would just like uh, go from very loose sketch to a very, very tight sketch. But nowadays, I go from a loose sketch to half tight sketch because I like to add more details with the color. So after I'm done doing like a, like a, a tight but not full-on sketch, I like to do a quick color filling. And that quick color filling allows me to play with the color and see what works, what's more powerful that serves the image in the story. And then after I get approval for that, I just go in there and start painting it like I would traditional art. Not many, I don't know if many people would do it this way, but I like to stick to three, four layers max, only because I was raised by my father to do traditional art. And when I went to art school, I learned digital art. And then I just, it took me a while to feel comfortable with digital. So I took that mindset and the, um, the way I use traditional paintings. I took that method and applied it to digital. And now that I have less layers and I'm like working on it like I would traditional, it actually turns out much more the way I would want it to. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. I think it's just because I was just so trained for so many years. I was doing traditional art way longer than digital. So that's like programmed in my head. But it worked nicely for me. I, I really like how my digital artwork comes up now. I still do traditional, of course, because I can't let that old-fashioned love go. That's my first love. Traditional watercolor, acrylics, pencil, love all that. I would just apply that method, and it would just work nicely for me. Yeah, and that's pretty much like my process right there. You know, just like remembering what you're trying to tell, you know, what the story you're trying to tell. And as long as you keep that in mind, along with the body language and the color and the way that they're just presenting themselves, the character or the environment, that's the best way to create that image you're Mm. trying to make. Now, you mentioned, you know, storytelling. How do you approach storytelling through your art? Like, is that a, a separate process? Oh, well, first thing I did was I did some research. I actually had a friend, Tony Atkins. He's a DC comic artist. Mm-hmm. And I think he's the one that recommended me to look at this. I'm not 100% sure, but I have this book here called Framed Ink. And it's called Drawing and Composition for Visual Storytellers. It's so such, such a good book. I recommend this book for any artist who's trying to do illustration or comic book art. Like technically it's for comic book artists, but after reading this book, it allowed me to take that method and apply it to illustrations. And it talks about everything. It talks about what direction the trees are going in. If the trees are somewhat bending towards the the focus point of the piece, it actually creates more of a focus point. You know, Um, if you're looking downwards or upwards at it, at a person, let's say upwards, it gives more of a towering kind of vibe where you feel small and they're big and threatening and whatnot. Even the dramatic lighting, when I was doing comic books, I was working on some stories where I, sometimes I wouldn't even go in full detail in the area. I would just like put like a black background and add dramatic lighting to their face. And because sometimes the character would be sad or upset, and I really wanted to capture that, and it gave it a dramatic effect. There are so many like little things you can do. Even hands. Hands are a big thing, too, that give 
oh, a big personality and storytelling, you know? So if someone's like more gentle and calm, maybe their fingers, fingers look more elegant and soft and not so like stiff. And someone's like, you know, mad or trying to cast an aggressive spell or something like that. Maybe their hands are a bit more provocative or a little bit more like, like gnarly <laughs> or something like that. There's so many aspects to storytelling. And also another thing I love to do, I haven't done it in a hot minute because I've just been, I've been painting like crazy, which is look at movies and notice how they have the camera set, what kind of colors they're choosing. Like, it's just like watching movies can teach you a lot about how to do storytelling. And like, I'm trying to think of what was like a, a good movie. I think that was pretty good. Like, I would say, like, I liked Ultraviolet with Mila Djokovich. Mm-hmm. That was a good one for how, like, the perspectives were. They did the, like, crazy camera angles and the way they showed scenes through someone's shade. Like, you know, like, they're wearing shades. And then you could just see, like, a picture within their shades. It's just, like, so many interesting ways for you to do storytelling. Maybe the person's drinking a cup of coffee and you see them talking, but you don't, you're not focused on them. The reflection's in the cup of coffee. And you could just, you know, it's just so many fascinating, fascinating ways to do storytelling. So I would say, for sure, just also pay attention to people out in public, you know? Like, just, like... We're not having a conversation. They're not all standstill and stiff like some action figure. No, they're either hunched over or they're leaning one way or the other. Or, you know, it's all about just like pay attention to those small details. And if you gather all those, those things that come together, you can come up with some really cool images. So I would just say like just, I would say people watching, movie watching, um, sometimes even video games. But it depends on a video game. Like God of War, that's a good storytelling for sure. Like, uh, how they, like, it's just, like, if you've seen God of War, the video game, you would definitely see what I mean, because <laughs> it's so well done and put well together. But yeah, that that's what I would say, like, that and and this book called Framed Inc., for sure. It's hmm. so good. Speaking of, of video games, you know, as I'm looking through your portfolio and, and seeing your work and everything, a lot of it is based on fantasy science fiction you've mentioned mm-hmm. you know comic books like being influenced by that what really draws you to those like as genres like what draws you to all that oh goodness i fell in love with like comics and fantasy sci-fi stuff when i was a kid like i i was so obsessed with it i wanted to submerge my mind into that world you know like, something about it just seemed like so much fun and it seemed bright and exciting and just something that just reached out to me. Like it all started with the nineties X-Men, you know, with those beautiful color costumes and storm making her speeches. And <laughs> <laughs> you didn't see, but my hands just reached out to the sky like her. <laughs> um, just like, what else was fantasy? Like Yu-Gi-Oh, the monster designs. I was just fascinated by all this. I was watching cartoons, absorbing it like a sponge. And I was so into it. And I had so many action figures. I still do. <laughs> honestly, it was like my dad introduced me into like fantasy art as well. Because he's an artist and he would do a lot of these paintings at home where they were just fantasy-based, you know, abstract kind of like fantasy combination. And I just, I just grew really fascinated with it. And to be honest, I was like, when I was a kid, I was bullied. And that world of fantasy and superheroes, 
honestly helped me with my day by day life. It just brought so much happiness for me. And honestly, I think that's one of the main reasons why I became an artist in the first place. So anyone else who was like different, like I was, they could look towards that and maybe get inspired by a character. Cause it was like, it was like, I was just so inspired by so many other characters to that made me just feel like I was capable, like being different was great and, and awesome, you know? And I just think that that's definitely what drew me in. It's just that entire world is mm-hmm. something that made me happy, really, really happy and still does. Is there a lot of diversity in that space? Like, I mean, of course there's like the different stories that are being told, but like in terms of other artists and things like that, is there a lot of diversity in that fantasy space? In terms of other artists? Yeah. Uh, I feel like, for sure, like, back then, when it came to it, like, at the time, I wasn't aware, but Larry, I forgot his last name, <laughs> but Larry is the producer and artist for the 90s X-Men, and I wasn't until, like, maybe five years ago, I found out that it was a Black man, and I was just astounded and so inspired like, I was already inspired by the X-Men. The fact that it was, like, created by a Black man, I was like, I was about to burst into tears happy. Because it just <laughs> made me so ecstatic. And I was like, holy crap. Someone who made something that inspired me and that just touched me in so many ways. And it just, it just oh, it was empowering. Whew. It was just amazing. I would say, for sure, that was just an important part of my art journey. And now, like, since him, I didn't notice too many. Um, Like, before, even before I met him, I didn't even notice too many Black artists, you know? Or at least it wasn't, they weren't acknowledged, at least. Because I feel like when it came, especially the comic book industry, that a lot more artists were not being acknowledged for their work, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, thankfully, now it's becoming more of a thing. But it, it should have been a thing already. Like, it, it should have been, like, they should have been recognized for their hard work, for sure. I didn't know that many. Like, I know a couple now. Uh, like, I follow a couple now on social media, which is great. But I just feel like we need more. Because <laughs> it's just, like, especially for, like, big projects like like Dungeons & Dragons and, and, and Marvel. Like, thankfully, Marvel's now definitely for sure, like, not even, like, artist-wise, but, like, actor-artist-wise. We're getting mm-hmm. more people, like, like Monica, Miss Marvel. It's just, like, just having more people of color is just awesome. And I feel like now we're getting more people of color who are artists arising more, especially during the pandemic, because, well, I think the pandemic's over now-ish. But they realize i think a lot of people realize that you can make your own business you can be a freelancer you can do this you can like and they them realizing that really did reveal more to social media you know like hey we're here i'm queer and i'm a person of color and i'm here (laughs) you know and Mm -hmm. because of that i am happy that that happened that people were able to put their their stuff out there more so now I can actually see more, and you know, and honestly, I'm, I'm just really happy about that. I think that would be like the only good thing that came out of the pandemic. The only good thing was like people realized, hey, I can start my own business. Hey, I can do this. I can make art and people can buy it, you know? 
Mm-hmm. And with that, now we just have more rising, more rising. And I just, I just want that for everybody, more people to bring their voices forward, you know, because yeah. I didn't have enough of that when I was a kid. I didn't. And that's why I don't know many people by, by name, you know, which is unfortunate, but now it's happening. So yeah, now I can like full on support. <laughs> I just looked up who you were talking about. I think it's Larry Houston. Yeah. I was looking at his. His last name on the on the storm piece he signed for me, but I couldn't make out. <laughs> like, darn it, that's too many swirls. I can't read it. <laughs> yeah, Larry Houston was the yes. producer and director of X Men, the second season of the fan. I'm looking at his like Twitter bio, but he's like Fantastic Four, second season, Captain Planet, Johnny Quest, GI Joe, GI Joe movie, The Karate oh. Kid, Care Bears. I I had no idea. I had no idea he had oh. such a impressive oh. uh, resume. I only knew he did the X Men. I didn't know the other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, speaking of uh, of X Men, like I know there's the new. I think it's like the reboot of the '90s cartoon mm-hmm. is supposed to be coming out. I think this year, maybe next year. But that has a, a black director at the helm too, Bo DeMaio. Yeah, yeah, I've been following him too. It's like, yes, I need to see this. It's like it's supposed to be a continuation off the '90s which I'm very curious about how that's going to go. Cause first off that show was just, it was ahead of its time. It tackled racism. It tackled speciesism. I think, I think that's how you say it. I'm not, you know what I'm talking <laughs> about. <laughs> I forget the correct terminology, but um, anybody who was different, that was not normal. Anybody who was different, they were just like looked upon as like a freak of nature or something like that. And, and just, just to have a show that was like empowering people who were different is a gift a huge gift i don't know honestly if i would have been an artist if x-men didn't exist at that time for me when i was a kid i don't know because that was just a huge motivator huge inspiration for me Mm. let's kind of switch gears here a little bit i know we've talked a lot about your work and you've you know led us into your process but you've also kind of given us i think a bit of a window into sort of where you came from and sort of where this love comes from so Let's talk more about you. Let's talk about you. Are you originally from Seattle? No, I am from Philadelphia. Okay. (laughs) Most of my life. (laughs) I'm a Philadelphian. (laughs) All right. What was was it like growing up in Philly? Oh, goodness. First off, concrete jungle. (laughs) 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 No trees around. So it was like some trees around, but not that much. Like going from Philly to Seattle was definitely an adjustment. Goodness gracious. In Philly, I was, I'm just remembering like, like I was living with my parents. I went to art school. I went to uh, Northeast High and that was in the Northeast Philadelphia. (laughs) And that was definitely a school I enjoyed for sure because I had so many good friends there. I, I was a part of the choir. So that was like another creative thing, another creative outlet for me. And I was working on comics. And this is before I was like overthinking some of this stuff, you know? So I was able just to to draw without overthinking. (laughs) And actually made like a little bit of profit there too. So it was like super fun just to like draw my own comic book, make copies. And and my classmates were like, oh, we want to buy one, we want to buy one. And it was just super, super fun. But the area I was in... Definitely was more concrete jungle. <laughs> I don't think I got inspired by the, the area I was in, more by the people I was hanging around with. And my dad, when I mean, he was like working on his art, and my brother too. And it was just like, 
I had a good community over there. It was, it was, it was just, I was very, I'm very grateful for having so many awesome people there that um, inspired me to continue making art and going to Hushin over there in Philadelphia was great. Was there for four years. I met some very good friends of mine and they're still friends of mine, which is a blessing because it's hard to find some true friends. And it was just a wonderful experience. And uh, honestly, it just it also helped me find more of myself too. Just like people there who knew me, you know, through and through before even I knew me, you know, just, it was kind of weird. It was like, were you in my head or something? No, it was just an, an awesome experience. Plus the food was way cheaper than Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> it was also dangerous because I could get me a plain pizza large for 11 bucks and I, <laughs> like, and I would go for it. But over here in Seattle, it's like a large plate pizza. It's like 26. So it's like, okay, Ooh. maybe I shouldn't be ordering so much <laughs> over here. Maybe I should learn how to cook. <laughs> you know. So when I came over here to Seattle, it was definitely more of a, okay, let's step up this adulthood more. Let's learn how to cook. You know? mm-hmm. So uh, I did that. And goodness gracious, I had to like build my entire art studio again because I had no scanner, I had no art desk. Uh, so it was like just starting all over and fresh. But being in Seattle, I love the nature. Nature is gorgeous. If you ever want to like get away, obviously you could just like take a bus to a park somewhere and just chill there. It's like nature is right there. Mm-hmm. And it's just so nice to have that accessibility. There is definitely a Seattle freeze <laughs> for, so, uh, for a couple of people, um, mm-hmm. maybe a handful or two over here, where it's like, so, like some people are just like, they'll pretend you're not there or if they need to reach for something, they'll just reach right in front of you. And I'm not used to that. I'm used to Philly kind of like interaction, which is like, okay, if you need something, I'm going to say, excuse me and, and get to you. But Thankfully, a lot of people are weren't born here and moved here, and you can always tell because those are the people that are just like you know, like oh, hello, how you doing, you know, and they actually will have a conversation with you or meet or or have eye contact with you, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but thankfully, I've, I've had the pleasure to make friends with a lot of people who weren't having the Seattle freeze symptoms. They would just they wouldn't have the self-free symptoms. They would just be completely themselves and, and open and nice and kind. And um, yeah, so uh, be over here in Seattle and Philly, I can tell you that the difference is that for sure is like Philly, you just need more green. You need a lot more green. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Seattle is like Seattle, you just need to look more fun. <laughs> you need to have a little bit more fun. <laughs> you know? Yeah, this is definitely like a process and adjustment for me to go from East Coast to West Coast. Such a huge adjustment. But I'm still me. I'm still a Philadelphian. I even consider myself to be a little bit Seattleite, but Philly come first, because I was there most of my adult life. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. (laughs) What made you decide to move to Seattle from Philly? I wanted to be with my ex at the time. Um, Okay. So, um, me and him, like, both moved to Seattle. And at that time, I was going through a lot of a lot of struggle, a lot of inner struggle, inner demons. What's that? Imposter syndrome. My friends were trying to help me and my family were trying to help me. And they were all so, so wonderfully attending and wanted to make sure I was okay. But I was not going to be okay until I was going to want to be okay or, or, or figure out some stuff. And so when I moved over to Seattle, it kind of gave me that 
that breathing space for me to figure out what's going on with me. And it took a hot minute too, but thanks to therapy, thanks to journaling, thanks to working out, thanks to being self-aware and giving myself those self-love affirmations, all that helped me become much more of a happier person to get in touch with that inner child that was suffering from all the seriousness of adulthood. You know, it's like, I know we got responsibilities, but also we're supposed to live our life and have fun. I can't lose that part of myself, you know, because that part of myself is a huge part of why I'm an artist. So I have to make sure that I'm taking care of myself and giving myself that time and space I need to do what I need to do to make sure I am in a better place, you know? And when I'm like that, I'm actually able to be there for other people more. I'm able to uh, handle more. Um, It's just something that I think that everyone needs to take in consideration. It's about like self-care, self-love, self-expression for sure. Self-expression, because too many people hold things in and it builds up like a volcano and it explodes and mm-hmm. it's not fun. That was one of the things I was just like, I can't be living my life like that. I, I want to be happy. I want to make my work and be proud of the work I make, you know? And I want to, I want to be there for my friends and not feel exhausted or, or like I, or forced, you know, and, and doing all that work, that self work allowed me to become much better. Uh, that's what I would say. Have you been able to sort of tap into like an artist community or or a design community in Seattle? Mm-hmm. It took me a hot minute, but I'm kind of <laughs> I find it a little hilarious because I, I I didn't think it was going to work. But I went to a comic book store, Phoenix Comics and Games in Capitol Hill, and I went there and I was looking at the local artists, and they had local artists putting their comic books on the on the rack mm-hmm. and. I was like, oh, let me see if I can find somebody. And thankfully, I found my friend Tim and his book, I think it's called Into the Wolves. He had his phone number and contact information in there, or was it just his email? Either way, I contacted him and he responded and we met up. This is before I had any art friends at all here on the West Coast. So I went to go meet up with him. We hung out, had a cup of coffee, talked. It was like later we decided to start making it a thing. Let's get together and draw. And then we would do that. And then we started to bring more people into the fold, people he knew, people I would probably meet that were interested in meeting for the art meetup. And it's just now a regular thing. And we've been doing it for years now, just doing our art meetup and drawing and, and, you know, and just having a blast, you know, because one of the huge things I missed in Philly was my art community. I would always hang out with my friend Laurie and Kat, and we would just hang out together. And I, I loved that. I didn't realize like how much I would miss that, you know, when until I moved to Seattle and it was no longer accessible. And I just I needed that back in my life, or at least closest to as I could get. So um, having that art community uh, is a huge blessing, and it's awesome. You know, and it also helps me focus too. I like, it's like, oh, if I'm going to be home, I'm not going to be able, I'm going to have to like, you know, adjust myself. But if I go out and meet with my art friends, then I have no excuse. I can just go in there and start drawing because I'll be fine and chill with my folks. So absolutely worth it of like trying that, like just emailing a random artist, like, hey, you want to meet up and such like that? <laughs> you know, and it's was, it was just, I'm just glad that I did that. You know, because usually I I get like social anxiety and I get nervous, you know, about like Mm -hmm. talking to people. But it was like, no, I'm going to 
I'm not going to let that stop me from making new friends. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do it. Yeah, I'm just very grateful for that. Absolutely. Now, you spoke earlier about Larry Houston, but I'm curious, like, are there other artists or illustrators that have influenced your work the most? Jim Lee. (laughs) Okay. Because he was drawing the X-Men back in, like, I think the 80s, 90s-ish. Like I said, I'm a huge X-Men fan. You just don't know. I have so much X-Men on my wall. But <laughs> besides that, um, no, Jim Lee, it was definitely for sure, because I loved the intensity he would put into his, his ink work. Like, it, was just, it was just so comic bookish style. And it really made the X-Men look really cool. I was just like, oh, my God, I, I could just read this all day, you know? <laughs> Another artist I would say is Ross Strauss. Him, I enjoy because of a lot of his color, his potent color. You know, like my art teacher back in Hushin would talk about how juicy the colors are, you know, about when it's, when we're painting. She's like, get the juice in there. And I'm just like, ever since then, I, <laughs> when it comes to my art, I just have to put juice into my color. It's like, I need to make this a little bit more pow in your face. So, yeah, that was definitely another one. Alex Ross is another mm-hmm. one. His is much more of a traditional. He does, he works in like, I think traditional acrylics or or oils, I'm not exactly sure, but he does work with traditional mediums. And his work is like taking the comic book world and making it more into a realistic kind of vibe. And it, he does a lot of dramatic lighting too. So I thought, I just loved it. I just love how he was able to take that world that was fiction and bring it so close to reality. So sometimes I'm doing my work. If I'm like working on a cover or something like that, I'll, I'll instead of going like comic book style, I'll probably go full on illustration style just because it, it gives it a completely different vibe. It gives the character more of a breath of life kind of scenario, you know? I mean, I love the graphic feel, but something about just seeing like a character that looks almost realistic, you're like, oh crap. <laughs> you're just like, that looks great. Mm. And, and one more is Simone Bianchi. I hope I pronounced his last name right. But I believe he is a French artist who works for Marvel. And he does a lot of like acrylic, watercolor kind of techniques where it's a combination of realistic and comic book style. And I just loved how he would illustrate such a dramatic like use of colors it's like and his like his hair detail like he would draw like a lot of like detail in the hair but it would just look so beautifully well planned i can't even like get into like full detail about like how his stuff works but simone bianchi is definitely an artist i studied especially back in art school when Mm -hmm. i was learning watercolor i would just look at his pictures and i would just paint what i saw i would like i would just paint up a panel I saw of his, I really enjoyed. And because of that, I actually got much better with watercolor the next year. Because watercolor was literally the first medium I was trying to get really good at, you know? And it took a hot minute for me to understand how to manipulate watercolor. But now it's like, after all those years of studying and investing time in studying that medium watercolor, I just was excited to like actually be able to utilize it to make an image the way I wanted to, you know, because watercolor is very, very tricky, <laughs> very tricky. So thank you, Simone, for doing that for me, because <laughs> now, I, now I know how to paint. <laughs> now, you mentioned that your father was a was a traditional artist. Was he an illustrator also? He definitely did his own paintings. He didn't do it professionally. Um, okay. He, 
like he wanted to, but unfortunately, like he didn't like have the support of his family, like you know mm-hmm. the way that I do. And I'm just grateful for him to give me that support, you know, because he knows how hard it is out here in the um, creative field because so many people want to jump in and do it. But my dad still does make art till this day. Like I was talking to him and my mother for Mother's Day and I saw he showed me these pieces he was working on. It was so beautiful, abstract, um, gorgeous, surreal, like kind of fantasy. And it just makes me so happy that he's still like making his art, you know, and because this is a part of who he is. He might not be doing it professionally, but at least he's still doing it. And I'm just happy and proud of him for that. Nice. What advice would you give to any like aspiring artists? They're, they're hearing you talk about your work and your process, and they mm-hmm. want to kind of follow in your footsteps. What advice would you give to them about kind of just starting out in the industry? Number one, I think is patience. Patience with yourself, patience with the process of making art and patience with the process of getting work, you know, if you want to pursue it professionally, like, you know, it, it took me a hot minute before, like I started to get more commissions coming in manually. And it took a while for me to get to that point where, Hey, I don't have to look for commissions. People just come to me and ask me, Hey, can you do this for me? You know, all that took a while. And like I said, without that actual chart to show you, hey, you're on step two now, you're on step three, woo. Without that, it's so easy for you to feel like you're not moving, like you're standing still, like your career's not going anywhere, you know? And especially if you are starting off with illustration, like you're starting off by making art and you're not at like the level you want to be, it's so hard to be patient with yourself, especially when you're comparing yourself to other artists. I think people need to have much more patience with themselves and understand that what's going to get you there is consistency to keep trying, to keep painting, to try new things, to share your work. Don't be afraid to share your work. That's something that I still struggle with sometimes. I mean, I know I have a lot of content on my social media. Yes, I do. But there are moments where my partner will catch me. He's like, don't overthink it. Just write out your stuff and post it on there. And I'm just like, you're right. I just I just want to be perfect. But there's no such thing as perfect. <laughs> the best way to, to be perfect is to be yourself authentically. And then there you go. <laughs> like, Just be your genuine self. That is perfection. <laughs> you know? I would definitely say that that's something that that's needed is patience. No one's going to like give you like a timeline of when you're going to get that job either. And that's frustrating. I could totally get that. But you also just got to, like I said, you got to be patient with that process. You won't know until it actually happens in that moment. Like this podcast, I didn't think I was going to get interviewed for a podcast. And, and like, actually, you know, it just pops out of nowhere. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like fine even the western hotel thing that was another random thing and i'm like oh my goodness <laughs> you know another thing i would say for sure is give yourself affirmations for sure if you had to make yourself that list and cross something off that that you got done to get that that pat on the back kind of feel, then do it. I would say go for it. That's absolutely necessary because it's so easy for you to like do things and then forget what you do. This has happened to me before. It still does sometimes. You forget what you do in the day and then you feel like you're like, oh, I could have done more. You know, it's like, no, no, 
you're doing pretty darn good. Look at that list. <laughs> you know, I think it's definitely important to give yourself that affirmation and also to sometimes take a look back at your old art and look at your art the way it is now. So that way you can give yourself that affirmation of, oh, I, I did grow, <laughs> you know, because it's like, it's so, it's, being an artist is a marathon. It's not a race. It's a marathon. That's what I'm saying, to be consistent. And with that, that marathon you're running, it's so easy for you to feel like, oh, I'm not, I'm not growing as an artist. My, my skill level's not improving or whatnot, you know? And it's, oh, it's always good to like look back at your old art pieces and don't compare to other artists that other artist is on a completely different path than you. Not every artist is going to get a job the exact same way. Not every artist is going to get noticed the exact same way. It's, it's so different from each other. It's frustrating because you wish that there was a book to like go ahead and tell you, like, this is exactly how you do it. Oh, no, there's no book. <laughs> you just got to put your stuff out there and be consistent. And don't be a butthole. <laughs> you know, that's another thing. <laughs> when you're talking to people, always want to like, you know, be a genuine person, but also treat that person with fellow respect. No one likes to work with somebody who's mean or nasty or, or comes off as, a, as aggressive. No, like, like this is like networking and, and building a relationship, a friendship. You want to make sure that you are presenting yourself the best way you can be that is genuine and true. And I think that's just something to absolutely consider as well. And another thing I think that's beneficial is trying out new things. Like I've done watercolor, acrylics, uh, used acrylics as watercolor and as, you know, a usual, and on canvas, digital painting. I've now, now I'm starting to get into storyboarding. It's just about, and sculpting. Sculpting too. It's like you are an artist and yes, you have a preference, but it's always refreshing just to get into something just a little bit new and it keeps your excitement up. It keeps you like, Oh, I'm so excited just to try that out. You know, see what it comes out and everything. Like I'm painting on canvas now. And usually I don't paint on canvas. I usually leave that alone. But with that 10 minute piece painting I was doing at the Western hotel, that was Something that really brought that out of me that I was like, I want to paint on canvas. I want to try that out. I feel something that's pulling me towards that. And, you know, and it was like that kid-like spark that mm-hmm. was like, ooh, I need that. So now doing that and, and, and looking at the canvas, I'm like, I am happy. And I think that's definitely something important to do is like, don't be afraid to challenge yourself and don't be afraid to share your art self-affirmations and uh, patience with yourself. And one more, I think, is self-awareness. And self-awareness, I mean by that, is like just acknowledging if you are upset about something. Because being an artist isn't just like drawing pictures. It's you're putting your your energy into that that piece. You know, you're you're giving parts of your you're putting your parts of yourself into that piece. And if you're upset, or going through something, it's going to show up. Or you might not be able to draw as well. You might not be able to think as well. You know, yeah. that's why it's so important to be self-aware about what state of mind you're in. And it's all about just like giving yourself that attention 
acknowledging that you're not okay or, or you're upset or maybe you're just tired and burnt out. It's good for you to acknowledge this and to know this. So that way you can just take care of yourself, give yourself a hug or get a hug from a friend or, or talk to somebody you trust. You know, uh, this is definitely something that will help you out for sure because being an artist and especially in a world like this it's stressful it can be very stressful but it's also very very rewarding especially when you are just giving it your all and you see it pay off you know it's something absolutely worth it and long as you are just making sure that you're your own best friend, you're going to get there you know just like yeah make sure you you give yourself some loving and you gotta make sure that You just acknowledge when you need something. And I think that's important too. That's my advice. Yeah. Do you have a dream project you'd love to do one day? Oh, okay. It's on my list. (laughs) 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 On top of my list, I want to be a cover artist for Marvel because I I just like doing illustrations. I just love doing the storytelling. I want to be a cover artist. I want to do full on like paintings and, and and do stuff for them. I want to do stuff for Wizards of the Coast because I love the overall style of their world. You know, they're just, just like this beautiful, like, it's kind of like Renaissance paintings. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but it's like they have like that soft glow. It's mm-hmm. like, uh, like, you know, like the way they paint them. Like I was going to the art Seattle Art Museum and I was noticing these pieces that were like back in the day, Renaissance times, where... I don't know cool how they did it, but the way they painted, it almost looked like they were computers themselves. But it, you can still tell it was made by, by an artist, of course. The way they just captured the glow or the texture or the way the person was like, the way they were standing. It's just like their bodies weren't even stiff. Something like that. It's just like, oh, God, yes, that is exactly what I need. <laughs> <laughs> we had someone on the show a couple of months ago. Lauren Brown, she is a, I think she's an art director at Wizards of the Coast. I'm looking now. Yeah. Emmy Award winning illustrator and art director um, at Wizards of the Coast. She's here in Atlanta too. Yeah. Oh, nice. I'm going to look that up. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, So there's, there's a lot. I mean, there's certainly, I think are, you know, as you sort of mentioned that, I think that opportunity is definitely going to be out there for you because as I talked about earlier, it just seems like there's more and more black people, really people of color, but I'd say black people specifically that are mm-hmm. really like being out there, especially with the major titles. I'm really surprised to see how many are doing things for Marvel. We've had a few motion graphics designers that have done work for like some of the movies like Black Panther or Into the Spider-Verse. Oh. It's amazing how we're starting to get out there more. I mean, granted, it's still... It's still not super diverse, like in the grand scheme of things, but I feel yeah. like that's going to happen for you sooner rather than later. I really think that. Oh, thank you. Yes, please. And I, I, I just, I want that as like, I can feel my spirit trying to grab it with its hand. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I want it. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's like, I need that because in the future, I, I, I want to have. I want to have like my, my own company like Marvel or, or Wizards of the Coast where it's like I'm able to give those same opportunities for other people of color and especially black people. Mm-hmm. It's like there's so much talent there and it's like it's so untapped and now we're like just tapping into it is so much more like like Woman King. For, oh my God, Woman King, Viola Davis. Like, yeah. oh my God, thank you for doing that movie because uh, that was amazing. Michelle Yao about what's it, everything in their place. Everything, everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> yes, 
that's another one. It's like, see what happens when people of color and, and diversity is represented. You get awesomeness. <laughs> you get wonderful stories. Um, yeah. it, it's just something that is needed. And in the future, if I can provide that opportunity for more people, I will. If I can reach back and grab my fellow artists and be like, hey, I did not forget about you. Come here. I got something for you. You know, that's I want to do that. And I feel like that's something mm-hmm. that a lot of people in the community should be doing. You know, it's the only way for us to excel and expose ourselves to more, you know, and get our names out there because there's so much that haven't been shown yet, you know, and we're just tapping the the tip of the iceberg yeah. for all this. Yeah, it's just, I just think it's going to be amazing. And uh, I just can't wait to be a part of it. I just want to be a part of it. And I just want to be there with my fellow nerds, my fellow awesome nerds. And yes, just being in a convention surrounded by people who are raised in the same like world that you were raised in like you know just like anything like 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 fantasy sci-fi comics movies games all that it's just it's such a beautiful way to bond with people and to share that it's so much fun and i feel like one of the biggest things adults forget to have fun and to be a kid again and like honestly being an adult you're just older and you forget to tend to that inner child. And it's like, no, 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 no. And so it's like when adults go to conventions and there's like someone who's like 50 and they're still buying action figures and whatnot, go for it, do it. (laughs) (laughs) You work so hard, you get that action figure, you get it and you flaunt it. (laughs) Like Seriously, it's like, we need to make sure we're balancing out that fun. And I feel like that's what my work And the industry of creativity gives to people, gives you that permission, even though you don't need permission, you should be having fun. Uh, It gives you that, that childhood, like happiness, you know? And I think that that's why the reasons why it's so important to be an artist, to bring that out of people. So people can like, you know, still feel that, you know, I think it's just so important for it. I think it's very important. Mm. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? I mean, I feel like you've kind of already spoken some of that into into the universe now, but what do you want the next chapter of your story to look like? Oh, goodness. <laughs> it's like I have, <laughs> I have visions of how I want things to look like. As I say this to you, I'm actually looking at my manifestation board. <laughs> it's something that, I, um, that I've come to really enjoy doing. Because I'm looking at my manifestation board and some of it's already come true, which is great. But um, in the future, I would like to go to more conventions for sure. That's something I love doing. Just to, to you know, be in that world full of people who enjoy the same things I do and to interact with them and you know, to show them my work. It's one of the greatest gifts to create art and someone comes along and they're just entranced by it or they are feeling things because of it, you know, like that the art has like, you know, moved them in some kind of way. And I think that is awesome. So I definitely will want more of that. I haven't had my work in galleries before. So I am focusing on getting my work in galleries too, because I, I just now painting on canvas. It's like, I want to develop so much art on campus, bigger size, small size, all the size. And uh, so I, I definitely want to have more of my work 
and the galleries and I want to have my comic book up and like have it out there because it's like my own stories I've like I've had on my mind for a while I started to like give it some more work this recently so it's like I'm grateful that I'm starting to get back into that and in the future I would definitely love to have a comic book made officially have a shiny cover and you know maybe like a, a 3d model made of the character five years from now I want to be just I just want to be making art like crazy <laughs> and I want to be a part of those teams that make like fun projects, you know, like, like mm-hmm. people at, at Marvel, like the people who get to like be a part of the whole process of the movie or whatnot. Like I would love to be a part of that. I would love to be part of a, a company like Wizards of the Coast where it's like, I can give contributions to like, Hey, let's make this character or whatnot, you know, and just design new stories and characters and whatnot. I just, I would love to do that just to be fully submerged more into my craft and I think that's something that I I have recently like come to full on terms with just like acknowledging that this is not only my career, but being an artist is my life. <laughs> and I love being an artist. <laughs> so it's like, I just want more of all of that. I am greedy and I want all of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, just to wrap things up here, where can our audience find out more information about you about your work and everything where can they find that online well i do have my own personal website it is my full name www.azaxavierbradley.com you do have to include the xavier in there because otherwise you're going to get the black captain america (laughs) oh yeah that was his name from i remember that from uh from the show from the captain yeah yeah, Falcon Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've always thought that hilarious. That I was like named after superheroes. Even my middle name. I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think I was born to do this. It's destiny. Time. Yeah, it's, it's what it's it sounds like. A, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, like, universe, you have a heck of a personality, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> also, I do have Instagram and uh, Twitter and TikTok which all you can find under my handle, Isaiah underscore XB. And then there's my Facebook as well. You can always go under my full name, Isaiah Xavier Bradley, and my art page will show up. Just include that Xavier part and we're all good. (laughs) And most people get confused with how to spell my name. So I'm going to say it's spelled I-S-I-A-H and then underscore XB. Most people spell Isaiah with two A's. For some reason, mine is just with one A. I don't know why, but okay. All right. There you go. Well, Isaiah Xavier Bradley, I want to thank you so, so much for coming on the show. I think if there's anything that people will get from this interview is that you have this joy. It's not even, it's not even passion. I mean, I I will say passion is probably there too, but you have this joy about just the fact that you're doing exactly what it is that you want to do. That is infectious. Like, you're excited about the genre. You're excited about your work. You're excited about all these things, but you've also taken the time to kind of make sure that your, your own self is prospering and well throughout all of this. I mean, the world is changing at such a, a rapid rate. I mean, you talked about self care and rituals and things of this nature. So it, I really get a feeling that people will listen to this and they'll get a really good sense of you as an artist, as a creative, and hopefully we'll, we'll follow your work and we'll see that Marvel cover 
one day. I'm putting it out there. We're going to see it one day. But uh, yeah, thank you again so much for uh, for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for your time, Maurice. I, I really do appreciate it. This has been awesome. Like you really made up my day. I can't stop smiling right now. <laughs> I'm just excited. Just like, I'm going to start painting all day day. Like I was already drawing. And I'm like, Oh, I'm going to get into it real good. <laughs> so thank you so much for your time and this opportunity. I'm really grateful. Maurice. Thank you so much. Big, big thanks to Isaiah Xavier Bradley. And of course, thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Isaiah and his work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Revision Path is supported by Brevity and Wit. Brevity and Wit is a strategy and design firm committed to designing a more inclusive and equitable world. They are always looking to expand their roster of freelance design consultants in the U.S., particularly brand strategists, copywriters, graphic designers, and web developers. If you know how to deliver excellent creative work reliably, and enjoy the autonomy of a virtual-based freelance life with no non-competes, check them out at brevityandwit.com. Brevity and Wit. Creative excellence without the grind. Revision Path is brought to you by Lunch, a multidisciplinary creative studio located in Atlanta, Georgia. Our executive producer is Maurice Cherry, and our editor and audio engineer is RJ Basilio. Intro voiceover is by Music Man Dre, with intro and outro music by Yellow Speaker. Transcripts are courtesy of Brevity and Wit. If you like this episode, please let us know. We're on social media. We're on Instagram and Twitter. Just search for Revision Path, like all one word, Revision Path. Or you could follow us on Spotify. You could follow us on Amazon Music. You could leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. We love to get those, love to read those. Or you can leave us a message on our hotline. You can leave us a voicemail at 626-603-0310. As always, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.